All right, and we are back with 90s Noise. I'm April, born 1991. And I'm Ashley, born 1988. And today we have a special guest. We have Eric from Bygone Geek here. And yeah, so Eric, give us give us your birth year. I am born 1985, so I was joking with April and Ashley that I'm the resident old person for the <laughs> remainder of this episode. Um, so I feel like Clint Eastwood, you know, yelling, get off my lawn here. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm used to it. Like David, my co-host, David and I on Bygone Geek, he's also 1991. And um, so I'm used to him giving me old man burns almost. And he's, he's kept the streak alive. It's almost every single episode for the past 65 okay. episodes. But no, yeah, him and I started our podcast, Bygone Geek. Um, it was part of just the pandemic of being of being really cooped up. I had actually originally started it by putting my iPhone on a tripod in front of me. And for people who, if this is part of the, a visual clip or not, it's like, this is a real background. My room is a very nerdy nice. pop culture room. Um, I have a seven foot Iron Man and like a six and a half foot Harrison Ford and Carbonite. Like, and oh, this is just nice. this is just two of my four walls. I have Ghostbusters with a proton pack, Power Rangers helmets, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Robert Patrick as Terminator Two that are flanking my my podcast desk right here. So my whole life has just been centered on. 80s and 90s nostalgia but like i just refuse to let my inner child go away i think some people especially in their 30s as you get closer to 40 kind of let that die at that period of time and so when i started doing the the really simple kind of just youtube videos with my iphone it felt very uh refreshing to me because i got to revisit these nostalgic periods of my childhood um, I got to rewatch movies. I got to share family memories that like my dad and my sister and my mom would watch and be like, I didn't think you would remember that. And they would be happy that like, oh, I, I tried really hard on that birthday and you like rebought that toy and put it in a display case. And it's like now forever something that just makes me feel good. And so it's just been kind of this unifier that nostalgia really can bring a lot of people together and much like you april and ashley that like it can make a friendship so much stronger when you talk about a childhood that you maybe not you didn't even share together because david and i didn't know each other until our 30s our early 30s we kind of bumped into each other because we work in the same field i work at a developmental disabilities agency where i do all their photography and videography and social media so doing this type of stuff I understood. And so it was nice to kind of do something that I had control over. Sadly, when we became friends, he moved away like six months later. So that's why our podcast is a Zoom podcast. <laughs> but no, for anybody that wants to check us out, we've done it for 65 weeks straight now. Our most recent episode that came out, it comes out every Saturday, um, is Kindergarten Cop because we have quite an obsession with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, our episode before that was Space Jam. Then in March, we had a whole month that was themed to martial arts madness as kind of a March madness breakdown um, where we did very like deep dive obscure martial arts movies, but then did modern ones. And one of them, one of the popular ones was Three Ninjas. We didn't do a dedicated episode on it, but it was very popular in our Instagram polls. 
So yeah, I'm excited to do this today. And um, for anybody that wants to check us out, you can just look us up on, it's just Bygone Geek on Facebook, on Instagram, on TikTok, on YouTube, and we're on every, anywhere you can get your podcast. So Google, Stitcher, uh, Apple and Spotify are like our, our big two predominantly that people seem to listen from. But um, yeah, we're really trying to push our YouTube lately, the kind of video component of it. Because our audio episodes are typically 90 minutes to two hours. We're very long-winded, nostalgic, you know, geeks. But our, our YouTubes are very bite-sized. It's like six to ten minutes. There's a lot, it's a lot of comedy. It's a lot of cuts to clips that make you feel nostalgic. So, yeah, feel free to check that out and, uh, and subscribe. But I really appreciate April and Ashley inviting me on here because, um, yeah, I mean, nostalgia is, is nothing unless you share it like so to be able to share it today with you guys is pretty cool so i'm excited but yeah when when i touched base with you guys about doing i i, I loved that you had mentioned green ninjas i was like trying to get her so i was like come on you, i know you've never seen it but come on so that How it just made it a little exposed to the ninja craze of the 90s because didn't weren't you not also exposed to ninja turtles like didn't i see a clip where you didn't watch ninja turtles either uh-uh, no, I was, I was not exposed to I've never even heard of Three Ninjas until April brought it up. I'm like, what wow. is this? <laughs> so I take it you weren't one of the 90s kids that got wrapped up in doing Taekwondo or Karate back in the day either? No. Oh, that makes more sense then. Because like, I feel like that was the big sport of the 90s. <laughs> Ashley has her had, had her first watch <laughs> of the three ninjas which we actually i'm uh... so curious to hear your responses to some of this because <laughs> I, I i know that there's one of these three that we'll talk about today was not really as like when i did the rewatch i realized how much it wasn't part of my childhood mm -hmm. i have vague memories of it but it's not like core childhood memories like the other yeah. the other two are and because of that it was kind of painful to watch like oh, as an adult i was just like whoo this one's real cheesy <laughs> but yeah so i couldn't imagine coming in cold with no nostalgic agenda as part of it um because that's the funny thing i feel like about a lot of movies like this is that if it isn't part of your like childhood dna and you watch it as somebody in your 30s mm -hmm. it's like what like you'll look at somebody who adores it and be like what's wrong with you mm -hmm. <laughs> like how do you remotely yes. like this yes. like uh, yeah okay the see uh, that's what i was trying to tell you april <laughs> it, it, I'm, giving you, I'm giving you ammunition <laughs> well that's how, that's how i felt with what was it my girl i think mm. Because I had like never seen that before, and then it, then I told her I'd watch it and we'd talk about it, and I'm just kind of like, what? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm on the the side of loving my girl. I still get a little misty in the eyes yes. when it, you know it's like he's getting stung by the bees and he needs his glasses. Like... <laughs> <laughs> there were there were parts that did get me, but I was just like, Ey. yeah. It, yeah. it was also kind of hard, like watching such a young macaulay culkin yeah he's and, really small yeah. and thinking of him but like picturing him now and everything so i think that also like had thrown me so ashley we'll we'll start with you the first one we're gonna start on the actual true first, first one. one yeah this one we this was the one that we did the you and i watched together yeah right I think so I think that helped to allow me to enjoy the first one more was one we were experiencing it together 
and two we were still like a little drunk from going out so i think i feel like please it was... tell me you recorded this like i feel <laughs> no, like that should be like a, a, a youtube uh, like patreon episode right oh, there oh my god we <laughs> shut up we were we were seven shots and like a couple drinks in by that point. that's <laughs> content right there that you would have got a couple hundred subscribers just from that <laughs> uh, that's awesome the premise of all three of the movies we're going to be talking about, the main premise is there's these three siblings who go spend a summer with their grandpa and he teaches them the art of ninja. So the first one is kind of where they're first, in a sense, learning about it and they get their ninja names. Their father is not a big fan of the nin being ninjas and he's an FBI agent, and he is chasing down this guy who happens to be their grandpa's, like, old business partner. The business partner, the bad guy of the movie, kidnaps the kids because he's trying to, in a sense, get back at both the grandpa and the dad. And so it kind of is uh, how they are getting out of that situation and cheesy to the max is an understatement on this very much though <laughs> i did love like the whole tan phone mm. ashley had you never done that the like, what taken two oh, cans the... The and the string when how they're how rocky's talking to emily across the way and everything was that yeah. you or was that that was my boyfriend couldn't figure that one out. It didn't, it didn't seem like a plausible concept. Like, how does this working right now? <laughs> I, re I remember in elementary school, we did it as part of like science class where you yeah. went outside on the playground and you just stretched a string between two, like everybody brought in like Campbell's soup cans <laughs> and, um, and you drilled a little hole and you put the, the string in the bottom of it. And I feel like everybody would just kind of shout into the cans. And so you couldn't quite judge, am I hearing it because somebody's shouting from 10 feet away? Or am I hearing it in the can? Um, but I do remember as a kid and watching it now as podcasters, it's funny because those cans are on podcast uh, microphone uh, uh, stands, which I was like, oh, that's mm -hmm. kind of cool. I was like, I don't know if that actually would have worked. But I, that, it, to me as a kid, seeing that set up in their bedrooms, because I mean, especially Rocky Colton, Tom Tom's bedroom in the first movie. What a oh. sick bedroom. I it mean, was it was cool. so cool. Even like the emergency light that would trigger when the parents came mm -hmm. to the door. Oh, that was so amazing to me as a kid. That was so cool. I loved it. Like. For me, it was, it's a fun movie. It's, I love the whole scene inside the house when the like nephew or some um, of one of the guys that works for um, the bad guy mm. comes and tries to kidnap them. Like they're doing all these different things, uh, tying this door, the string around the door to make it to where you can't open it. Did either of you ever try that? I did. I actually did try to make booby traps in my house and Home Alone and this movie. And I think a lot of 90s kids movies, there there's some sort of kid planted booby trap in every movie. Um, so I do remember uh, I tried to do things a couple times, but the second my dad would hear me like 
hammering something in my room. It just took him yelling once and I'm like, oh God, I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> like I shouldn't be doing this. So I would like literally, because I tried to like hang something up that would, when the door swung open, it was like a, a skeleton mask from Halloween yeah. that I actually like put on um, like a torso that was like, I think it was like giant eagle grocery bags that were in there so that when you open the door it would slide and scare my sister but i needed to put a nail in the door and a nail in the wall and sitting there trying to silently nail in a nail so my dad doesn't yell at me i never fully achieved the booby trap so <laughs> it was an instant failure um but there was it is funny there's just something about rocky colton tumtum in that scene like you're you're saying april that it's just it's um in our martial arts madness episode, David mentioned three ninjas as home alone with karate in mm -hmm. it. And that yeah. that home sequence very much is that. Like it's just if Kevin Callister knew ninjutsu and just and much cheesier. Like it's uh, you know, home alone is still quite a classic. I think this one is such a cult classic because of that cheese factor for sure. <laughs> mm. Oh yeah. That's exactly the vibes that I got from both. Even that one, and then the next one where they're at the cabin or whatever, like they were doing a lot of the same type of setups where you're trying to trap, and that's the same vibes I got. Was very Home Alone. It really is. I maybe that's part of why I didn't care for Home Alone <laughs> is because what I that's saw, it yeah. leaving the podcast yeah. i'm out of here <laughs> thanks yeah right collaboration <laughs> over <laughs> yes that's one of my uh my my little secrets is home alone was i just i don't know i it didn't resonate with me but maybe it was because i well because home alone was what 93 or something and 90 three ninjas yeah you're right because it was before this yeah it was mm -hmm. like two years okay. before it so I think the sequel, brothers, I think, was like 92 or 93. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. probably what I'm thinking. I think my like my brothers kind of preferred Three Ninjas to it also, as opposed to Home Alone. And so also with Home Alone, you really only watch it once a year, like around Christmas time. Or at least that's when it was available to watch on TV. Uh, whereas like Three Ninjas, I guess in my eyes as a child, not understanding how when movies came out and everything i saw three ninjas and remember three ninjas before seeing home alone mm -hmm. and so in my eyes i think i was like oh well this is a this is a takeoff like this is this is stuff that three ninjas did why why is it is it copying that not realizing home alone came before three ninjas oh yeah so yeah i think in a little bit of that sense it is funny how that kind of works out because David and I make reference to that a lot in episodes where we say like our child brain remembers this, but now our adult brain realizes how wildly wrong that was. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, especially timeline wise, it's like I was introduced to movies that were like 80s movies in like 92, 93. And I thought it was a new movie, but it like came out yeah. in like 1984. And especially like this with like trilogies or anything with sequels. As a kid, I watched almost all of them out of order. Like, I, yeah. I feel like I think I might have seen Home Alone 2 before Home Alone 1. I feel like with this, I know that I definitely saw the first one first. But I feel like now, like, I, I was kind of misremembering how I saw the sequels. And based on how the sequels were actually re released in this movie, they were backwards. Like, they're they actually, were. like, because of, like, a distribution issue. And it's funny because now I remember that I was like, oh, I did see these out of order 
in my mind, but it truly is in the order that it was released to the audiences and stuff. But it kind of went over my head I when like some of the kids were replaced um, that I was just mm -hmm. like, I, you know, I feel like you didn't really pay attention to that when you were young. Yeah, I, I was obsessed with pretty much anything in this genre. So like Home Alone and Three Ninjas, anytime a kid kind of got to make these independent, wild and crazy decisions, I just... <laughs> I don't know. It's it's a little boy thing, I feel like, of just like little boys causing chaos. And it's just like, uh, it's it was so appealing to me. But yeah, the first one, especially with the three surfer dudes, I can't remember what their names were. But you watch it now, <laughs> it's like the cheesiest, like Southern California accents and stuff like that. But it's this almost... by far... Well, I always, I almost felt like it was a playoff of Bill and Ted too. Like they, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a, a bad playoff of them for yeah. sure. Yeah, <laughs> um, but it, sure. uh, I, I do, I really think the home scene is by far the most core memories for me when I did a rewatch of this. Because it's just when they make like these spice pepper balls out of like coffee, coffee filters and throw them in their eyes and then put the, um, what is it? Instant diarrhea, I think yes. is what they call it into their drink. Yes. I so vividly remember that scene and when they're drinking it and then the, like their eyes, like the corner of their eyes get like pink. So, you know, they're sick, um, which I was, I feel like such a nineties thing that they needed to give you a visual cue mm -hmm. that the bad guy is sick. Um, but yeah, when they run to all the different bathrooms, it's just, it was another, cheesy like a little boy thing just potty potty humor was hilarious <laughs> i feel like but i love that scene so so much like how did it connect with you Abe? like was that a big like memory scene to you as well yeah so that was that was probably the one scene that i remembered the most from mm -hmm. the movie like as a child growing up um, cause like I said, I, I even tried a few times to like do the whole tie the string around the two doors to keep it from, keep them from opening, but ours doors didn't match the same <laughs> way that it needed to be. I do. And I remember the, the whole instant diarrhea, put it in the, in the drink and everything. And the, <laughs> the whole, the, the tie scene oh, the yeah. also and just was like that's so cool and but it's also kind of one of those things where it's like that would actually probably make him pass out super quickly oh yeah uh, because if not break his it. neck yeah <laughs> oh you got, <laughs> you oh, got I, like an 80 pound kid that yeah. like pulls on it and it's yeah. like when when david and i did a, a home alone episode for our like christmas seasonal episodes um, we 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 judged based on which of these traps that Kevin McAllister set would have really killed <laughs> the sticky bandit or the Ooh. wet bandits in the first movie because there's a lot that mm -hmm. you they would have yeah. died from <laughs> or they had had very serious injuries from um, and I did, I really think yeah when he ties that around his neck and jumps off the foyer um, he would have been dead he totally there would have yeah. been like you know Rocky Colton Tum Tum would have witnessed their first dead body. <laughs> It'd have been a whole different movie. A whole it different movie. would have been, <laughs> and like the whole like doing the the soap on the ground to make mm -hmm. it slippery and everything. I wanted to try that so bad, but like our practically our entire house was carpet, so there's no way of trying that at all. Yeah, your parents um, would have murdered you. 
Yeah, they probably would have. But my brothers would have been right there with me, helping me at that point. Because... Yeah, you as as the 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 sister, you could have easily blamed it on the two brothers, like very easily. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But I, I the one part that I also remembered very vividly on that was when they opened the door where the babysitter the this um, closet door mm-hmm. and she's just like like traumatized and there's like pizza on her face yeah. and I think it's uh Tom Tom is like did you save me a slice? you better have saved me a slice of pizza and it was just and she's just like scared about the guy behind that comes up behind them and everything and yeah well and I think she I don't even think she has a line in the movie even when she shows up to the house she just knocks on the door and kind of like grumbles she's like like she's just like a cartoon character yeah and even when she's sitting there trembling she's just like like she never actually says anything but yeah they're too busy getting their comedy one-liners in that the rest of the henchmen come into the front door and they don't even hear that they're behind them so they're not the best they're not the best ninjas <laughs> when it comes to getting snuck up on in certain parts of this movie. But yeah, they are, you know, all in elementary school. Like, I think maybe what if Rocky's like 11 or 12? Because I think he was the oldest. Mm-hmm. What's that, like sixth yeah. grade? So you got two elementary school like kids and a, and a sixth grader. <laughs> you know, they're they're just, they're they're not quite ninjas yet. But I do, I feel like this scene, and I loved, now it's another one of those things that, I always think about when I do rewatches of uh, all the movies that David and I have done is that what you look at as a kid, it's like these scenes were super cool. But now as an adult, it's like I look at the grandpa's cabin in the woods and I'm like, whoo, that's a nice piece of real estate. I wonder how much that costs. Mm-hmm. Can I find something like that on Zillow? <laughs> right. Like, it's so weird how like something goes over your head as a kid and now you watch it and you're like, oh, that's really cool. I want to, maybe I should go get a cabin in the woods. You know, I should check out Airbnb or something like that. But it makes me curious, like Ashley, is there any, was there any scene in this movie for you watching it cold and having no nostalgic agenda as part of this that was just very entertaining for you? Or was it just all, it was just too much cheese? (laughs) Yeah, there was a lot of cheese. It was all, honestly, looking back at it, it's a lot, it's all a blur too. And I just remember while we were watching it, April, you kept on mentioning how there was a lot of different scenes than what you remembered watching as a kid. Yeah. So the, they, I feel like the prime rental one has like extended scenes or oh. even just added scenes in so it. So when I looked into it, there's actually an, actually an international version, which does have different okay. scenes. And I think that's what Amazon has. So that's probably what it was. Yeah, I, uh, I saw something too, that it used to be Hulu that had it. So that must have bought, like Amazon must have bought the rights mm-hmm. for it or something. That uh, apparently when this movie was made and then purchased by Disney as for distribution and Disney mm-hmm. thought that there were scenes that were too violent and, yeah. and for a Disney audience. So they removed them. And then when they would beat up the, the anybody, they added the comedy like boings and, and oh all God. the different sounds. <laughs> thinking it would feel more lighthearted for a Disney base. Um, so yeah, uh, Ashley, I think you are right that those scenes are what were considered too violent for a Disney audience. Um, it's probably not even remote, like 
violence no. probably not even the right word <laughs> like um but I, I thought that was interesting when i saw that 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 disney was just like oh no this is too violent and it's like what are they are they actually killing people did the guy die <laughs> in the foyer of the yeah. house like um that makes me jump to that conclusion but <laughs> yeah because i so for me i uh actually when i was living in Orlando I had gone on Amazon and bought like the DVDs um we since had like gotten rid of them and everything but even the DVDs that I had gotten didn't have that international version it was still I think it was probably still being distributed but by Disney or whatever uh the ones I got because even those didn't have it because I this is such a big part of my childhood this um this trilogy that I I still almost every every other year or so will go back and rewatch all of them, and so it had hadn't been that long since I'd seen the DVDs of these, and so that's why when I when I was when Ashley and I were watching that first one, I was like, "Am I going crazy here, or did I?" did I see it was the scene in there that's I'm sure I don't know if Ashley was like looking at me at any parts but there are some parts I'm just like this isn't this isn't this isn't right like yeah this wasn't in that yeah that's so. I'll have to check that out because I ended up um it's weird because I have Amazon and somehow I, when I like searched Apple TV to see where it was available it didn't show up for me on uh, at least that it was in Amazon so I actually had to watch like a pirated version on YouTube like right now on Apple TV, if you go to buy it, it's in $17.99. You can't even rent it. And I'm like, how dare really? you capitalize on my nostalgia by price wow. gouging three ninjas? Oh. <laughs> wow. I was like, yeah, 18 bucks is a little steep for three ninjas. It, I, I still don't know how in this day and age people can upload full uh, versions of them. I mean, it's very low quality. Um, yeah. But uh, I'd be curious now to get, I'll probably get on Amazon later today to see those scenes too, because it is weird when you watch like so many movies from the 80s and 90s now have like Blu-ray versions or uh, director's yeah. cuts that when you do watch them, I agree with you, April, you're just like, I don't, I don't get this. Like, no wonder <laughs> yeah. you took it out. Like, this is not a funny scene. It's not like relatable. It kind of takes away from the tone of the movie. Um, so yeah. that would be quite jarring that in a movie that you grew up so closely attached to to see a scene that you're just like what is this i have no clue what this is but yeah i'll have to i'll have to check it out for sure i can't remember if it was the one that we watched the first one or if it was the second one that i i was watching but the music that they had in a lot of the scenes like do you remember able like because i don't know if it was a comment we made it was like this sounds like a disney ride like you're on a Disney ride, the music that it that they were playing throughout the scenes. I think it might have been the first one, but that does make sense now because um, I I didn't realize Disney had bought it to distribute. Oh, I didn't know that. Everything. And so yeah, just that... just the first one. Um, I feel mm. like they made big money off the first one and then abandoned the the <laughs> remaining movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I mean, yeah, I. I I kind of get, but it's also one of those things where it's like, damn it, like that they could have done a little bit more, but little family secret, like with my brothers and I watching these movies, we would, I mean, we were kids, we would use our imagination and we would pretend to be the three ninjas (laughs) and 
my brothers would be Rocky and Cole. I got stuck being Tum Tum because I was the youngest. <laughs> but it was, I mean, so I think that also like always kept the kept it resonated with me mm-hmm. and just a memory that stuck has stuck with me for so long and why I still enjoy watching the first three the yeah. first three mm-hmm. very much so yeah I uh, I only have an older sister but she's about 18 months older than me so we were always we always related to each other because we weren't too far apart in age we love this movie because we actually we were part of that 90s craze of don't send your kid to football or soccer, send them to Taekwondo, um, you know, get them a uniform that get, get all that, that spunky energy out. So they come home and take a nap, you know, sort yeah. of thing. Um, but we did, we did Taekwondo. I know I, I started when I was three, my parents put me in Taekwondo and I did it all the way until, uh, right before college. So until I was like 17, 18. Yeah. I actually, I was a second degree junior black belt. I qualified wow. for the Ohio, uh, or for the junior Olympics because I was an Ohio state champion as a kid. Wow. Um, and so these movies, the ninja craze, so surf ninjas, three ninjas, teenage mutant ninja turtles, there was like, a, a, a not kid movies. Cause my, my dad, so, so many martial arts movies of this era, were rated mm-hmm. R movies like yes. Steven Seagal, John Claude Van Damme, like all that stuff. He let me watch those far too early. It's shocking that I've turned out to be a relatively okay <laughs> adult human being. These connected with me so much when I saw kids doing yeah. martial arts. And I know for sure the actor that played Rocky, he was actually a martial artist. And you can tell yeah. he has oh, really yeah. good moves. And it doesn't tend to cut away that much to like a, um, because I don't know, um, Ashley, you probably noticed this watching it fresh, is especially with the grandpa and uh, with Tum Tum as well, when they would cut to a stuntman, it was a full grown stuntman. <laughs> like they'd go from three feet tall to like six feet tall. And you're just like not expected to notice that. And especially with the grandpa, the grandpa was so little and had a big pot belly. And when they would switch to a stuntman, it's like the baggiest pillow underneath of this ninja costume. And the guy's like super fit with this little like bulgy pillow. It was just so cheesy. <laughs> but yeah, so this this connected with me a lot just because of that. Um, that martial arts connection to it. And I know my, my dad actually uh, bought us white mask to paint them like Rocky Colt and Tum Tum. So I actually had the three masks that I hand painted myself in my childhood room growing up. So I got to play, you know, any of them, even though most of the time it was almost always Rocky. I'd say it was like maybe a 70, 30 split. I would be Rocky and then I'd be Colt. But I was never Tum Tum. Like when it came to candy eating, I was Tum Tum when it came to candy eating. <laughs> but did you did uh, did you connect April with any of them more than other ones? I think mainly, yeah, just kind of because I was the youngest at Tum Tum. But I think kind of more with, especially in the in Knuckle Up, mm. I connected. I think more with Rocky and kind of being a little bit more the level-headed and the the peaceful one and everything yeah for for a while there was tum-tum just because the youngest and Mm -hmm. that was kind of the the one that was forced to do in in knuckle up wasn't that he was recast to like an older actor too wasn't he so knuckle up is the one that has oh it's the original rocky yeah you're right the original rocky because that's the that's the uh indian reservation one Right, which right. the kickback 
was the right, one. You're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That when they went to Japan, and when I I told Ashley, I was like, because we share, we do the Prime shoot, like she uses the Prime and or my Amazon for these and stuff. I was like, I got Uh-oh. the second Jeff one. Jeff Bezos is going to hear that and shut that shut that Uh-oh. down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> but when I told her I got the second one, she she texted me. She's like, you rented the third one. I was like, technically, no. Because I went off, because my mind, I go off of the release because that's how I saw them. Mm-hmm. And so that one was the second one, even though it was the last to be filmed. Right. And they they changed the they changed Rocky and Tom Tom. And you can obviously tell that Colt is like two years older than a yeah. knuckle up. Mm-hmm. And because he had a massive growth spurt. And you're like, I'm like, no, this is. For my brain, how mm-hmm. I watched it, this is the second one. Yeah. Because this is <laughs> it was really trippy because they didn't even do a good job recasting him because Tum Tum was even shorter than what he was in the first he one. Was, like he what was is real happening. Little. I was yeah. like, what is going on here? I was really, really confused. I'm like, this is not the same kid, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like Rusty and Audrey in the vacation movies with Chevy Chase. Yes, it's like yes. they age and grow and change and like have different <laughs> hair colors. Like, yeah, they I guess I just didn't think we paid attention to that stuff back in the day. But it is, it's weird because even when you watch the Knuckle Up, um, Uh that's the Indian Reservation one. Yes. When you watch that one, even Rocky, the actor that plays Rocky, there's certain scenes where he has braces and doesn't have braces. Do you notice that? And it changes so quickly to where it will be within 30 seconds where they're traveling from one area to a next area. So chronologically, it's supposed to be happening back to back. And in the beginning scene, he has no braces. The next Mm -hmm. scene, he has braces. And then he goes back to no braces, like just a split second later. And I'm like, how did they film that movie? It seemed like it was all over the place. And even Rocky, that actor seemed like he had growth spurts in that movie where he looked more like a middle schooler and not like an elementary school kid. Um, And it would go, it was just jarringly back and forth that whole entire time. So I don't know what happened in that movie that it was so just hodgepodge together. That and if you notice, he went through like his voice changing too. Mm -hmm. There are certain scenes in Knuckle Up where he he sounds like his... uh, a little 12 year old kid and everything Mm -hmm. but then it like his voice like suddenly just gets deeper you can really tell when they are in the saloon scene Mm -hmm. and getting ready like him and tum tum are about to do like the little dance um where uh they uh are kicking the the bikers butts and everything right um all of a sudden just drops like super super like octave down and it's mm-hmm. like that is so but then like scenes later it's back up to kind of right. this child voice mm-hmm. it just throws you off it does so I, bad. I i was surprised because i remember as a kid really liking rocky like you said april that like he he seems level-headed he seems like um kind of like how like a ninja turtles wasn't uh is michelangelo michelangelo was the more level-headed one i, I feel <laughs> Mike- like 
No, 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 no sorry. I was saying it wrong. It was, it was Leonardo. Leonardo, Leonardo right? Yeah. Yes, Leonardo. Yeah. Jeez, yeah, nobody... I, I feel like David, because David has a hard time. Like, he couldn't even remember the four turtles' names. So he's going to get me now because I miss. <laughs> and Michelangelo is my favorite. He's the wild, crazy, yes, pizza-loving yes. nunchucks. Or, yeah, the orange one. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I felt like they were trying to make Rocky like how Leo was. That he's like, yeah. well, Grandpa said. It was very much, well, Master Splinter said. Like, it was the same mm -hmm. thing. But I am, I know my sister really loved Rocky because he kind of like, he had kind of like Jonathan Taylor Thomas vibes a little bit. Like he looked very similar to him in that era, which is surprising that like none of these, like you would think that Rocky and Colt would have been part of that teen bop tiger beat face because yeah. of that era. And I don't quite know why they weren't. Um, maybe they didn't have very good publicists or they had good parents that just kept them out of that part of child stardom. I know the actor who played Rocky in those, I mean, this was really all he ever did. Mm -hmm. He wanted that. He wanted done. Like, I think he, um, I think there was something with like, after the first one came out, it was maybe being picked on at school or something like that and not really being taken seriously because he was, like you were saying, he was truly, um, I think he, by the time the second one came out, he was in a uh, junior black belt or something mm -hmm. or the knuckle up came out and so i think he was wanting to focus more on that whereas the actor who played colt did do a couple other things he was in what was it was it apollo 13 i think oh you're right you're right i yeah. think he was tom hanks's kid wasn't he kid yeah. yeah yeah and so he did do a couple of things but just I don't know. I think I think maybe the parents kind of kept him a little closer, closer to home, and gave him more of a childhood. You can't really, you can't find like any of them anywhere. Oh no, yeah. I I think I I ended up finding a thing that was mentioning that um, they all have very basic careers. They're just they've turned into like normal guys. That mm -hmm. um, yeah. Max Elliott Slade, I think, who plays Colt, yeah. is um. He has a degree in anthropology and went to the University of Southern California and now currently teaches yoga. Mm. <laughs> um, and uh, Michael Trainer, who played Rocky, is a works in financial services in Washington D.C., but still practices karate, so he's keeping his ninja skills sharp. Um, yeah. And Chad Power, who played the original Tum Tum, is an assistant high school football coach in his hometown. So, mm. honestly, I feel like when you look at some of the outcomes of child actors. It's, you know, maybe isn't a bad thing that they actually yeah. got out when they got out because, I mean, there's some, I mean, we all know from this era of nostalgia, I mean, there's kids that didn't make it out of being kids like River Phoenix and things like that. But then there's, I mean, Macaulay Culkin had a really rough time and seeing him now as a guy in his 40s who is is level-headed but is very much arm's length from hollywood that he just doesn't even want to dip his toe back in which is interesting considering like what his brother kieran kieran culkin is like in succession and is like a super good actor and somehow he dodged it but he was younger i feel mm -hmm. like um than he was actually i don't remember if i sent it to you oh, but it meme? was talking the meme yeah where it was talking about how it back in the 90s did you ever think that the more popular Culkin or Olsen would be the younger siblings. Oh yeah. Because like now, like it's kind of the same with Elizabeth Olsen. Oh, she's sure. like, she's now center main focus. Like Mary can actually have taken steps back. They're not yeah. involved in Hollywood. And it's the same with Macaulay Culkin and Kieran. Cause wasn't he fuller? 
In, in the original Home Alone, he was like a cousin that he was the bedwetter, mm-hmm. but he wouldn't didn't want to so, share a room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it's yeah. really funny that the kid that was like the nerdy bedwetter that nobody wanted, like in light as a little kid, is now like you watch him in succession. He's still what? Because he's the youngest kid in succession and he's still kind of schmarmy and has like fuller vibes, but he's super cool now. Like he's yeah. such a great actor. But yeah, it's interesting. It really is. And. It's what is interesting to me is like you're saying, none of these kids, even the kickback Rocky or Tum Tum really did anything else. Mm-mm. They they were kind of more one and done's type of deals. It's very interesting. Now let's kind of transition to kickback. So for those of you who don't under don't quite know what we're talking about. The second movie released in the Three Ninjas was Three Ninjas Kickback, but it was actually the third one filmed. The oldest and youngest were recast. And like Eric was saying, they kind of made it seem like, oh, we're recasting these people. And you're just, I mean, they're completely look different. It's not even like they could have been stunt doubles, body doubles or anything. Like Rocky's got like jet black hair Mm -hmm. and is probably five seven five eight like super tall but this is sometimes like is... two foot seven <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it really is he's like knee high on everybody for the whole movie <laughs> yeah and it's interesting because when you like look at the context of this one it really does is supposed to be the third one mm-hmm. but for those of us who like watched them when they came out it's it's gonna always be the second one to be Mm -hmm. always going to be the second one they're older like branching into high school middle school at this age and still play on the same baseball team somehow but yeah (laughs) which like how is tum tum on the same league as rocky that doesn't quite make sense in this movie (laughs) yeah like colt and rocky definitely like they're within the age that it kind of you could pull colt up to the older older team and everything but you couldn't pull tom tom no, like he was no. just way too way too far uh but they they're big on baseball and they're kind of getting out of the whole ninja phase and grandpa is going to japan for a competition and the boys decide they're not gonna go with them because it's gonna be during they would be gone during a tournament a final game but then they realize that bags got switched and they have grandpa's bag. Grandpa took Tum Tum's bag by mistake, which, uh, what was it? The, the, uh, mousetrap in the bag or something. Oh yeah. <laughs> because he, Why would you everybody... have a loaded mousetrap? Why would it be fully cocked back? So like, because uh, like, wouldn't that just hurt Tum Tum later? Like, it seemed weird that yeah. Why would you have a loaded mousetrap? <laughs> but... Thought process is like to keep people from getting the candy, getting his snacks. But then, like you said, I wouldn't see Tum Tum remembering that himself no. and just not, diving in. Sharp. Yeah. <laughs> no. Do we have to wonder? Does Tum Tum have like? diabetes as an adult now <laughs> like oh, a thousand percent the amount <laughs> of sugar he would eat in one sitting yeah he <laughs> if he was doing Absolutely. that at the age of eight he's not making it <laughs> oh my gosh yes but i did i did like this one uh because of the different scenery like they went to mm. japan 
I did find that aspect of it cool. Like, and I watched this with my boyfriend and he, he loves Japan. He loves all of those old, like nineties cars and stuff. So getting to kind of watch that part of it, he made me like stop and rewind it at some point. He's like, Oh, go back. There's a car there. I want to go back and watch the car. So he was all, he was all obsessed with that, but I did really like how they incorporated that into this movie, like going to a different location. I feel like that sort of helped the movie a little bit because if they had kept it the same setting as the first one, I feel like it would have just gotten a little bit more redundant. So I I did like that part of it. Now, were they very culturally accurate with it? No, but... Well, I, I found a thing that said that um, uh, even though it was filmed in Japan and his dad or the grandpa is Japanese and ninjutsu is a Japanese art, all of the music that they would play in the movie when they were in Japan was Korean music. And I'm like, mm-hmm. who let that slide? Yeah. <laughs> like, that just seems so problematic that you're just like, ah, whatever, we'll just put in Korean music. These American kids watching it will know no difference. <laughs> I did like the soundtrack though. It was really good. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, because they it um I think they weirdly to me, it also, like how April was saying, it feels like the second installment, not only because of the name. I feel like the name progression, like kickback seems like oh that's a sequel. Like that's yeah. the second one. And that knuckle up sounds like a, a trilogy name. But the way I thought that the production value seemed to increase from the first one to the second one. And I did end up looking up that the the first one actually only had a six and a half million dollar budget, but mm-hmm. made twenty nine million dollars. So, I mean, it, it quadrupled its profit. So I think that that's why they were like, let's rush a second movie so quickly. But mm-hmm. they rushed it. I think Disney backed out. And so I got kind of held up in the distribution rights. And then somehow I feel like it was a completely other director and a completely other studio started kickback while all the dis- the distribution issues were happening. And that in kickback, they increased the budget from six and a half million to 20 million. Mm-hmm. But sadly, they only made 11.7. Like they they lost half their money on this movie. Yeah. Yeah. So also with um, Kickback, it was a different director, but it was actually the director who um, did it. It was one of his last movies because he, I was reading this, he um, and his family had to escape wherever they were and oh i think um, it was north korea wasn't it yeah so yeah. i think so because he was doing like propaganda stuff too or so, um, something like that and so that's probably why there was the korean music was because he was oh, that makes um, sense yeah but because I, I i saw something that this movie also because that makes more sense now because one of the things that I saw was that uh, Kim Jong-un, who's the emperor, whatever, I don't know if it's emperor, whatever the name is uh-huh. in, in North Korea, his favorite movie is Three Ninjas Kickback. <laughs> and he he specifically when he was like a kid and Kim Jong-il, his dad was the emperor at the time, like he specifically loved it so much that part of their, they have their own North Korean studios, like Hollywood system. They don't have outsiders. Like they're so uh-huh. shut, locked out that they completely remade this movie almost identical, but just with a full Korean cast, just so little Kim Jong-un could watch it <laughs> whenever he wanted. Wow. Um, but that makes more sense now that that Kim Jong-un like had this director because isn't his name shin i believe yeah that yeah he i i read something that yeah he had to escape many years of kind of being 
this like indentured yeah. servant for um, North Korea and then came over here and made these, these trilogies and stuff. That's pretty crazy when you think about it, that if he wouldn't have es escaped North Korea, three ninjas wouldn't even be a thing. Like we know, like, cause it was his, his idea. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It is very interesting to say the least, but I do have to say that one of the scenes in this movie always, always stuck with me was, uh, the sumo wrestling oh. scene. <laughs> It's the uh, it's very revealing uniforms. <laughs> You're like two large Asian man's butt cheeks <laughs> right in your face. Um, I I, I had forgotten about that until I did the rewatch, and I'm like, oh yeah, Tum Tum is obsessed with sumo. Like he wants to because be a I sumo can wrestler. Eat yeah, so much. Yeah, <laughs> mm, that's true. Maybe he's a sumo wrestler as an adult. Yeah, could be. It could be. But yeah, I I agree with you both though. I like the Japanese switch on this because it's similar did you guys grow up on uh karate kid the tr the tr yes. original mm -hmm. trilogy but then the, the next karate kid as well because the sequel to karate kid one is in japan as well that he yeah. follows mr miyagi he learns from actual japanese arts and things like that so this followed right in line with with that same storyline a thousand percent yeah yeah i did like how they kept kind of the uh the three goons we'll call mm. like another group of them but just uh three goons that are can't get anything right and mm -hmm. fuck up in every way shape and form and so yeah. then like the other guys have to come in and figure shit out but i i did like it and i liked how they had to kind of grow up in a sense and kind of, okay baseball is not the most important thing right. in the world mm -hmm. like family and taking care of your family like your grandpa got in a car accident because of these goons trying to hurt him and mm -hmm. everything well and especially it's like if you thought the american healthcare system was bad the nurse Oof. in this movie oh. is like straight up abusing a patient <laughs> was yeah. like but at the same time man grandpa was like talking some serious trash while he was on the phone with the kids and it's just like but i i remember that as a kid that that nurse was just terrifying to me <laughs> But I'm like, yes. nurses are supposed to take care of you. Why is she like twisting his neck brace and like dropping an elbow on his knee? Like she was so brutal. But then again, he was he was quite rude. I had forgotten about that whole storyline of how they ended up in Japan until rewatching it of the the bag swap, like you were saying, April. I like that I think it's funny in such a nineties kind of trope of you make a good successful first movie and then the second movie has to have some sort of a grand increase in the plot line of these mystic katanas and daggers that open a golden legendary cave somewhere um and is given to the winner of this ninja tournament but as a kid that that type of storyline was very cool to me because of how grand it was and i know for me one of my child kind of core memories from this one is the colorful ninja costumes when they go to the actual like first tournament that they're watching that you're like yellow ninjas and blue ninjas and red ninjas and, and there wasn't a single just normal black ninja costume it was all colorful yeah. and that was like so neat to me as a kid and i actually remember there was a, a halloween one year where the, it's like i don't know did your did your parents make halloween costumes for you in the 90s growing up like i feel like that was such a thing because there wasn't readily accessible 
Halloween yeah. costumes, except for the plastic mass mm-hmm. glorified trash bag ones you'd get from like <laughs> yeah. Walmart or something. But I remember because of this movie, there was a yellow ninja that looked so cool and like neon colored that my dad out of yellow sweatpants, like made me a yellow ninja costume. And it was perfect because October in Northeast Ohio is like freezing rain and gross and nasty. And I was the only kid that was already bundled up. I didn't have to wear a winter jacket. I just yeah. like I was ready to go. But when I came back home, I was like a sponge. I was like just completely saturated in water. But that was such a cool sequence to me because of the the colors. But yeah, I, I love that. The, the ninja tournament was a great idea for the second movie. I also really liked the hang gliding scene where they were like hang gliding and then uh when they got out of the hidden treasure area like that where they like slid down or whatever i always thought this is also now being living in florida with all the theme parks that that would be such like a cool ride mm-hmm. like escaping from a thousand year old freaking cave that's like starting to collapse and you have to slide down this yeah this little area and everything but that and the hay gliding scenes were also very prominent core memories for me yeah i i i feel like the um i i can't remember the actor's name but he's been in a, a decent amount of stuff as like a secondary actor the guy that plays the villain in this one uh-huh. i feel like i've seen him in a lot of different stuff as opposed to the guy that was the um arms dealer in the first one i feel like he kind of looked like the wish version of steven seagal like he uh, like he just wasn't cool to me and he had a horrible accent that you couldn't pinpoint where he was from um but this guy was cool to me because he kind of he had a shredder vibes a little bit to me like he had a very Mm -hmm. sinister voice and i like that he wore like samurai attire and like knew how to use a katana and stuff like that but again also like the storyline is so similar in that way to karate kid 2 because yeah in karate kid 2 they had miyagi had a somebody that he grew up with that they kind of broke ties and now are each other's mortal enemies um i think his name was sato in um yeah karate kid 2 so this very much was it was sato and instead of like in karate kid 2 you had like do you guys do you watch um cobra kai by chance the modern mm-hmm. version now my husband and I have. Because now they've brought back the, as much, because like in this movie, in, in Kickback, you have the main bad guy that had, mm-hmm. is the henchman of uh, the grandpa. But then in this, it's like you have this cheesy nephew that just can't get anything done and has the long white hair. And is just this yeah. rocker who just like always has a wireless microphone on him and just sings for no reason in this movie. It's definitely that's the deviation from Karate Kid 2 to here yeah. is that there isn't this cool nephew like in Karate Kid 2 that his name was Chosen. He was like the scariest villain in an 80s movie. So I guess they had to have one thing in this that wasn't Karate Kid 2 like so they wouldn't get sued, I guess, maybe. Probably. <laughs> and that was the component, maybe. But yeah. So actually talking about um, the villain in Three Ninjas Kickback. I don't, I'm afraid to even try to pronounce his name and everything, but just looking at his filmography, he's actually in the live action 
Turtle, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. Oh, okay. So they go to Japan. They get, they like time travel back to like feudal Japan, I think. In that yeah, one. I think if it's been so long since I've seen that one, but it's the yeah. worst of the trilogy by far. It, it, like, you don't remember it because it was bad. <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. <laughs> he is actually in that one. So I just thought that was interesting because, like you said, kind of had a little bit of shredder vibes and everything. That makes sense. I, I, I feel like I vaguely do remember him in that because he does, he has such a. David and I talk about that a lot, especially in episodes where we break down villains in movies. Mm -hmm. And um, it is just, it always makes me curious if you bumped into the the actual person that plays these roles, that to find out if they're like the sweetest human being ever, and that they don't have the sinister voice, and they don't sit there and have this like intense glare, but somehow they just get typecast as this crazy intense person that terrifies everybody. But um, But yeah, I definitely thought the villain in this was... I kind of, I think the best villain of all of them, but at the same time, I never paid attention to it as a kid, but I do remember the whole kind of storyline of grandpa teaching Colt to focus on a target until uh -huh. it becomes as big as a melon, you know, yes. like, like and he does it in baseball. <laughs> Cause I couldn't remember until I watched this movie that I was like, I remember a baseball movie where a kid swings the bat and the ball is the size of like a beach ball. And I couldn't, I couldn't for the life of me remember it until I watched this movie and I'm like, oh, it's from Kickback. But I then remembered watching the rewatch of like randomly Colt has a ball bearing that's just big enough to throw into the villain's, you know, barrel of his gun. And it's so weird to me that it goes from this guy about to kill children, about to shoot children. And then 30 seconds later, he realizes the error of his ways and like calls off his henchmen <laughs> and like, like apologizes to the grandpa for like 40 years of, of, of bad experiences with each other. I really think he was just dodging a jail sentence <laughs> because he had just tried to attempted child murder 30 seconds prior in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff wrong with the movies, but something <laughs> fun that you could do while watching the movies is you could play a drinking game and be very drunk for the amount of times that they say hi throughout the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, especially Tum Tum. Oh Tum Tum, I feel like that. He's like, ha, ha. like it's constant. Or let's murderize him. That's another one. I feel like yes. that's like his big slogan. Or ningenuity. Like they tried to make a like a oh. random word that you've never heard of before. <laughs> um, yeah, you would get quite you get quite wasted for sure. <laughs> for sure. I do. Speaking of like the uh, let's murderize them. Because I the, the big theme for that is when they're fighting for baseball and mm -hmm. everything, but I I always found it entertaining because like my brothers play baseball, I play softball, so um kind of understood this, but like how he had a timer of when certain food vendors would get there and he'd go <laughs> run and get his food and like what was it? There was the one time where he like tried to tag somebody out or something but instead of having the baseball he had the hot dog in his yeah. and or like they both were thrown up and he's like which one do you go after he goes to save the hot dog right this movie was very campy yes i feel mm. yeah i feel like from the first one to this one and then especially when we talk about knuckle up the amount of um, comedic noises and like the boings like cartoon looney tunes sort of sounds just went through the roof, I feel like, in these two movies. 
and I don't know why they deviated from how they did the first one because yeah the first one still was a little campy but more so cheesy when they fought people but at the same time it was kind of convincing that these three kids knew new ninjutsu but yeah these these second two i don't know why it is so kind of like adam west batman and robin feeling and you're expecting to see pals and zaps on the screen and stuff like that um but yeah it's I, i wonder why they made that choice maybe they thought they could get young even younger kids to watch it because it feels like a cartoon i'm not sure but yeah i do i think that i i agree with you april this one to me is 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 the second one and that i very much overlooked that as a kid even though they have these like distribution issues because yeah when you go to the the third one with knuckle up it's just it is interesting to see all the same boys back and that's kind of nice but at the same time it feels it's such a step down in production value to knuckle up like you could tell that they were hurting for budget and that they were clearly having studio issues because it's just it's it's a little wobbly compared to these two. Oh, I was just going to say, so with the third one, I'm, I'm just going to have to admit, I did not watch. I couldn't watch, but like five minutes of it and I was done. <laughs> yeah. It's it's 90 <laughs> minutes of your life that you saved. Like, good for you. Because <laughs> there's part of me that wished I would have turned it off because I was just like, whoo, this is okay. bad. <laughs> so April probably loves it. Here she goes. Honestly, it really is and i don't know like that's why i even went ahead and just fucking bought it um and everything like i didn't even read you're the only person that's bought it (laughs) i probably am honestly but i don't know what it is i think i don't know if it's just kind of the super like westerny indian reservation like type thing where i i've always been very interested in that and granted i don't I don't take any of this movie as like truth or anything yeah. <laughs> because it is just so not culturally appropriate mm-hmm. at all. I don't know. I just, I think I, I liked how there was the difference, like the, the kind of like the powwow scene or whatever, where everybody kind of was like, it was kind of finally a, Hey, we're not gonna, we're not gonna let these guys bully us and everything so everybody's fighting back just kind of that that mentality but yes it it is one of my favorites i i love the i love like the pizza scene where they're like they're fighting the pizza parlor and everything and rocky's like not even paying attention and he's just playing his game mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's such a such a kid thing to do is yeah. like be so zoned in a game like you don't notice anything until somebody freaking knocks mm-hmm. into you well and... it's funny too because in that same scene he goes from trying to be the level-headed one that tells colt not to fight but at the same time he's like punching a dude in the face like he's like punches somebody and goes colt don't fight and then he keeps like punching and kicking like five or six people and i'm like rocky you're fighting like what like why are you telling other people not to fight you're beating up a grown man right now (laughs) like it's just it was really weird that he's just like you're part of the fight here like you're liable as well (laughs) but yeah and i think part of it too for me was this one actually has other people too that are have done other things like um the guy who plays jj the main three goons again there's always there's always those three goons and everything Mm -hmm. um 
but he's like he the is, lead goon. Yeah, he's yeah, the he's one. Been in a ton he, of stuff. Yeah. He's been in so much, and then the sheriff was the umpire in Kickback. Mm-hmm. They they did pull somebody else. Even the the main bad guy mm-hmm. has been in a lot of other things, mm-hmm. and so seeing seeing those connections, I think that's maybe part of why I like this one a lot. Plus, I don't know, like, just that whole, I don't know, it's one of those things where I can't quite put my finger on it as to why this movie stuck out as opposed to the others. Do you think it was the kind of, because I do agree with you that the, I like the, um, as much as like the Japanese setting in Kickback, I like the, in the cultural inclusion of the the storyline of because like the way you're talking about this is the same way i would describe Ernest goes to camp did you ever watch the Ernest movies mm-hmm. as a kid i love those i haven't seen yeah. those since i was finally a kid. i got ashley here she <laughs> know, like i feel like i've made references and you're like no i don't know <laughs> but like this she's an Ernest fan here we go um Ernest goes to camp had the almost the exact same storyline where it had okay. a native american storyline with kids on a camp that were um I think it was like Camp Kikawa or something like that. And it says, I watched it so much as a kid because they really tried to introduce kids in that era to understanding the importance of nature and preserving That's... nature. And and I feel like for some reason they hitched it to a Native American storyline. And that was like they were trying to destroy this historic campground that had in, like Native American heritage. And it had the same sort of like mysticism that this movie pulls in at, at different points and stuff like yeah. that. Um, and it, it connected with me the most. I mean, there's like probably like six or seven Ernest movies. And Ernest Goes yeah. to Camp, because of that Native American part of it, really connected with me in a way that just I can't quite explain. Um, so I, I get what yeah. you're saying. With um, yeah. Knuckle Up, so did they, by the end, did they follow through with it having a like environmental type message where they were saying that what they were doing wasn't good or is that kind of where it eventually went with it yeah so kind of give you uh give you a breakdown you said you watched about the first five minutes or so yeah. so did you get did you get to the pizza parlor scene um the one where he pushes the girl down yes that, yeah, uh, yeah, like after that, I was like, no, I can't. That was terrible. <laughs> it's quite actually like an intense scene too, because it's yeah. not a stunt. They didn't use a stunt person for that. They he actually shoves her on the ground. <gasps> like it's just well, like not only I thought that, it was quite like, pouring the beer on her. Yeah, it was it was really crazy. Nobody doing a thing. Like no adult, right? Yeah, yeah. Like nobody stepped that... up, and I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and the kids have to step in like, what? yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Watching as a kid, you're like, oh, yeah, kids save the day. But like watching it as an adult, you're like, hey, you can't even like begin to to describe the disgust yeah. in seeing that kind of a scene. Right. And like, OK, then you start to think, would I have the balls myself if I saw that happening? in front of me would I would I have the balls to step in or you kind of start to like wonder and everything but um so kind of to give you a little lowdown so yes Ashley the it does have a bit of an environmental aspect to it and it does end in a good way uh the dad her dad Joe's dad 
worked for was working for this corporate guy and everything this bad evil guy and is it a dump they, like a trash dump that they have i think yes. in a landfill so yeah. what they're mm-hmm. they they are using this land that they have leased or whatever or bought bought from the um, native americans and they are turning it into a landfill and the the dad had been doing some like inputting information or whatever and he found that they were dumping bad chemicals into the ground and so he put it on a little floppy disk (laughs) (laughs) and he took that home hit it and then next day he disappeared and nobody they can't find the disc any of that kind of thing but um once the boys find where they're holding the dad they go back to joe and they're like we found him we found him uh and so then they plan on that night going and rescuing him and she has her she's got like bow and arrow and a little the i don't know what it's called i don't know the term for it but the holder for the arrows the disc is in there mm. and so when they're it's it's very home alone once they they rescue him and they there's all these guys coming towards them like they throw out the jacks or whatever and they're like doing the what i don't even know what that uh, weapon is called where the the slingshot is it a slingshot or oh, is it the one where like they throw it has the two balls on the end and it like wraps yeah. around their feet and they fall i don't know yeah, yeah. they they do they have like a lot of ninjinuity scenes where they make weapons <laughs> like i think i think like yeah. there's one scene where like rocky takes like a broomstick cuts it in half and then finds like a little like three links of chain and hammers it into him and then he has like nunchucks, <laughs> nunchucks and, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> while she's shooting these arrows and she's like they're not like true arrowhead or anything like that the dad sees that it's got the disc and so he's like stop stop don't 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 do anymore so then like guys come in like they're fighting and the the pack or whatever it is gets thrown onto this like conveyor belt and, it's like this shaking yeah, comical. It's like, so everybody they have a fight scene on it and the bad guys are like jump like, like uh, everybody's bouncing around it's so campy <laughs> so campy but so so entertaining like they're like are you like the disc is up we gotta get that the disc is there the disc and um so they get the disc and there's like a uh a hearing happening supposedly the next day but it's actually two days ends up being two days later on film did you notice that like because yeah oh it's the next day but then they're the next night they're doing the little powwow thing or whatever and that's one of the scenes where it's like when they do the powwow he rocky doesn't have braces when they go to the hearing the next day he does have braces and then when the movie ends he doesn't have braces anymore (laughs) like it's just so but it's supposed to be chronological yeah (laughs) Yeah, the bad guy gets like bikers to pretty much kidnap Joe to blackmail the dad into not handing over this disc during the hearing. And so, of course, the boys go, they rescue Joe. Um, There's a funny car scene where like Rocky's driving and like you can only see like this much of him, like (laughs) when they have it uh coming from the front of the car like while he's driving he's just like barely seeing over the steering wheel 
but he's had practice. He's it, it's it's just like the arcade, just <laughs> not wasting quarters. But they they do end up getting there um, to where the dad hands over the right disc. He starts off by handing over a blank like weather disc. Then once he finally does, it shuts him down and everything. And the um, Native Americans are, I think, awarded back their land. Yeah, and everything. Yeah. So. Because I think they, in the beginning of the movie, you probably missed it, Ashley, that like when they show um, the landfill, like they show that they're, I think they're trying to tell the government officials that it's just a normal landfill. There's nothing toxic here. Mm -hmm. And yet they are, they're, they are lying. And the disc shows all of like, again, why do you have a disc that shows a list of all the toxic things? Like who made the list? Why are you making this list? It's just incriminating evidence waiting to happen. But no, like there's even, there's quite as much as there's the scene of the little girl that they pour the beer on and they shove her down. There's a scene where all the henchmen like go to the landfill where there's like a process happening and they just start beating up like men, women, and children who are there mm. that are Native Americans trying to just fight and protest and get their land back. And the the sheriff, like April mentioned, that's the umpire from, from Kickback, is the worst cop ever. Like he does <laughs> nothing about these henchmen like punching people, like women and children and all oh, of this wow. stuff. Nothing. Um, nothing whatsoever. I do feel like they did a good job of like that storyline of, I understood as a kid because that's the main part I do remember watching this mm-hmm. as a kid is that, oh, how dare they do that to their land? Yeah. And they make reference to people dying as well. Mm, that like that there's it. Yeah, because mm. of it. So they try to do they try to make it a very serious part of the storyline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it is yeah. just there's it's very I can understand why you stopped in the first five minutes. Not having nostalgia. I can see why you're just like, yep, this is yeah. Not yeah. Much. Yep. yeah, I tried. I tried. <laughs> Okay, I'll give you this one. I am surprised, April, that like, uh, I I feel like you're the first person that I've talked to that normally, so you do think that this, that Knuckle Up is better than the first one in your like nostalgic mind? In my nostalgic mind, probably because like I said, I enjoyed the Native American aspect, even again, disclaimer, I know it's not accurate at all, um, with the exception of the they were. I feel like they were trying. Like they I, I think that that's what people don't, I think sometimes when people look back on these things, cause I would assume Ernest goes to camp is probably the, the same way is that like, I think that that was the only way they knew how at the time yeah. to mm-hmm. put that and, in a story, a storyline. Right. And so, yeah, I, I probably would have to say this would be my favorite. I love the, the whole scene, um, the whole like slew of scenes when they're going to rescue Joe also. Like I said, the whole dance scene with Rocky and Tom Tom, like the different dances and yeah, there's two doing... dance breaks in this movie that you yeah. missed out on, Ashley. <laughs> yeah. Darn. Well there, so... there's one later on. It's like, are either of you Office fans? Like did you um, watch the show The Office? Oh yeah, I love The Office. Like, do you remember that Michael Scott had the scarn, the dance that he would do? Yeah. That he's like, shake to the right. And you do like that whole thing. They have a scene like that on the Indian reservation later in the movie where somehow all of these like Native Americans just know, know their dance. They just know all the moves. Uh, of course they do. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's um when you watch it, all I saw was Michael Scott doing the scarn dance. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, yeah, I definitely, it is definitely a, probably the the number one 
one of these three um, for me. And where would you rank the other two? Like what would be your second and third? It would probably be a very close. um, Honestly, kickback would probably have to be second and the original number three. I think just again, because of like the Japanese aspect of kickback and the original, I, I didn't care for the, like, I thought the, it was kind of a weak, uh, bad guy mm, yeah, and everything. Whereas the second and third one, I kind of, I hated them more. Like right. the, the first one, it was kind of just like, eh, for, towards the bad guy, but the, um, second and third, I kind of had more stronger feelings against, but the very, the very, very bottom of the barrel of this is definitely high noon Mega Melon, yeah. which we will touch in just two seconds <laughs> interval here so yeah. you eric you said you never had seen it correct? i have ne- i had never seen it and on apple tv they had a trailer for it and the trailer is so brutal that that's as far as i made it is a 90 second trailer that i'm like this is a hard pass <laughs> i was like april said we're only talking about the three so i'm not gonna <laughs> yeah. watch the fourth <laughs> No, like this is this is almost kind of like the how we've got the three live action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and then there's that 2007 animated oh. or whatever CGI one that nobody really talks about. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how the high noon at Mega Mountain is. Completely different cast of kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grandpa's the same, I think, though. Grandpa like- and the parents are the same. Those are the only... <laughs> same actors uh but it does have the guy who plays Ernest he oh Jim Varney's in it oh really yes Jim Varney is in it along with Hulk Hogan uh, is he a bad is Jim Varney a bad guy yes he is oh, interesting. <laughs> which, interesting. which does make it very it does make it very interesting it is one that that was the only three ninjas that one of the store local stores had to rent mm-hmm. and so i would rent it and watch it because if i didn't have if i couldn't find anything i would just go to that one i can tell you right now april if you are lying to me that jim varney because you know i mentioned how much i love Ernest. if you're lying to me that jim varney is in this movie and i I'm rent not. it and he doesn't show up so help me god <laughs> oh you i promise you i will write so, mean comments on every of your instagram uh-oh. posts <laughs> It's an interesting one. Um, this is this is probably one that you don't want to watch sober. <laughs> like, yeah, maybe adult. maybe maybe David and I can do it as a drunken review. We'll we'll take yeah. your guys' idea and do a YouTube video <laughs> that we're just yeah. hammered and ripping into this movie because we both love Hulk Hogan. Uh, Hulk Hogan, the say your prayers and eat your vitamins, like was such. Mm-hmm. It was just so targeted at little boys of the eighties and nineties, but his movies were just so bad (laughs) oh horrendous horrendous but this one is just so it's actually um this one did scar me high noon and mega mountain scarred me a little bit i would not ride a roller coaster that went upside down for the longest time so this this movie (laughs) came out in 1998 so i was seven i think i was 16 14 16 before until I you up, wow until i did one that was that went upside Does down somebody fall out or something no so did they get in then like a karate fight with hulk hogan because that just seems like so like he's like six foot four like 280 pounds it just seems so irrational to see three like 
practical toddlers no, fighting Hulk they Hogan? They don't. Okay, good. <laughs> His character is like an actor or a a ninja show or something like that. And he's he puts on performances at this amusement park and people get like taken hostage and they're all like, we thought you were real or something like that. And so, yeah, he's... <laughs> He's a his character is very uh, dull in a sense in this movie. Mm. So is Jim Varney the main villain? He is. He is the so the main villain is played by Lonnie Anderson. It's a female, which so that's another familiar. that's another like deviation from all the others is woman villain. Uh, Varney's like her right hand. Okay. Well, that just goes to show, like they, how misleading the cover of this movie is, because the cover of the exactly. movie is like is Hulk Hogan like splitting open like a, a roller coaster, and he's like over top the three boys and stuff. So they really were trying to pull people in just because of Hogan, and it's like they, yeah, they not the right horse to bet on <laughs> for this movie no. because I saw that this movie to this day since let's see since 1998 like you were saying it's made three hundred and seventy five thousand dollars <laughs> that's, like, well, that's the thing that's like nothing after the first three why did they take the initiative to make a fourth one like where were they trying to go with the story like what yeah especially since everybody that originally watched the three were older because 98 i was 13 i'm not mm -hmm. watching a movie that's called high no. noon at mega mountain like and but I don't know. Maybe they were trying to get the next generation of younger kids. I, I'm not sure. But yeah, they definitely failed miserably. When I had initially been doing this, it was showing that there was going to be a new one released in 2023. Like oh, really? a remake of oh. the first one. <laughs> we don't need that. <laughs> yeah, we definitely don't need this, but it does not have a release date. The It is titled Three Ninjas Kicking Back. And it is based on the 1992 film. Uh, they're thinking they're bringing back the original people? No. There's no, no way they're, they're coming back to this. There's no way. They are Three ninjas, arthritis. <laughs> yeah, is it going to be an adult version of everyone? Like, Okay, that, honestly, I probably would watch if they did that. But it looks like it is going to be back to... The original three ninjas, but just different kids and... Well, they have a, a chance to make it better then because now they kind of hopefully learn from the mistakes of the originals right. and where not to go. It does seem like a Disney property. It seems like uh, Disney Plus would make a TV show like, out like of this. Like a TV show could be interesting, yeah. yeah. <laughs> April no, doesn't like that no. idea. <laughs> no, I don't. I really don't. Especially, I mean, uh, Victor Wong past and everything yeah like in <laughs> 2001 he's been gone for a while yeah. yeah yeah you can't you can't do three ninjas without him without grandpa well and i think it's it's the same as what they tried to do with um jackie chan and is it mm -hmm. jaden smith i yeah. think mm. it just bombed horribly as like a new karate kid um yeah it, i just think that the, you can't quite i kind of feel like the generation that experienced something kind of has to be gone in a sense. Gone. yeah until they can bring certain things back and because I, I think it's the same with like when you look at cobra kai cobra kai only works because everybody wanted to see billy zabka and wanted to see ralph macchio back on the screen but you're mm -hmm. also giving us 
a hybrid. You're giving us the younger generation, but the old nostalgia too. Mm -hmm. um, exactly. So I feel like the only way they could bring it back is if like, it'd be intriguing if you had the three, let me fantasy book here. Let's see if I can convince mm -hmm. you, uh, April, that like, if you brought back the three guys that played the original mm -hmm. Rocky Colton Tum Tum, and they each had a boy. So their ah. children Ooh. became like, so that they're, what would they be? They'd all be, um, would they be cousins then? They, yeah, they'd all be cousins. Yeah. But so you, it's like you, you have... know what a nice little twist on that is if their dad was training the kids oh yeah kids. especially with uh him being so like against the uh that would the... be interesting that would be very interesting because i do think the through like throughout this whole entire trilogy can we just say that their dad was the worst fbi agent of all time Terrible. like that he <laughs> Like the investigation part of it clearly wasn't his forte. Like he had no idea where his kids were at any time, yeah. what they were doing. They're fighting grown men that he knows nothing about. Um, like I, it was always weird to me that he was an FBI person and, and yet he was so typical 90s parent that knew nothing about his yeah. kids. Like no. it was just, yeah, he's, he definitely should not be part of the FBI. <laughs> um, but it is, it's kind of a shame because I do... But I think at the same time, Victor Wong, if he was still alive, he'd probably be in his 90s because he was, oh, yeah. I would think he was in his 60s in these movies. Mm -hmm. I would assume. I think so. Yeah. yeah. But um, he'd have to be up like the miracle of like Dick Van Dyke and those types of people mm -hmm. who are like 98 and somehow clicking their heels so and kicking. dancing and doing whatever they want to do. They're definitely not like Tum Tum. Um, not much candy eating going on, I guess, to make it that far. Yeah, I, I, I am curious because... I meant I meant to look that up too because it seems like a franchise that has the ability for Disney to maybe think that they can make a quick buck off of it. But they've also never been able, like you said, April, they've never been able to bring back Ninja Turtles in the right way. Even the cartoon one that's coming out with that Seth, I think Seth Rogen is mm. he like the director of? It's not the nostalgia I want. Like I just, I am very like you, April. I'm very averse to it. I'm like, ah, I don't want that. Like I want I, guys in rubber suits <laughs> again. I think I remember Ashley saying that you, when you watched it, you wished it was an animated movie instead of guys in mm. rubber suits, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm, I'm team rubber suit. <laughs> like that, those are <laughs> team my rubber suit turtles. too. Yeah. <laughs> So Ashley, do you, is there like a core in a stuff, like Arnold for me, like the fact that she, uh, April has the April O'Neil thing, like, do you have like a core nostalgia thing for you, whether it's a movie, actor, whatever it might be? Um, not really, honestly. There's I nobody the that you'd lose your mind if you well, met Well, I mean, the only, the only, I mean, Mary-Kate and Ashley are like oh. my childhood. I think mm. that's really the only which I'll never meet them. So I don't, yeah, they don't do anything. Do they? <laughs> yeah. yeah. They could make so much. You imagine if they did oh God, the convention they, scene, they'd make it would so be much insane. money. Yeah. Could you imagine if they came to like nineties, the nineties con and like, even if they just did like one day, yeah, it would be, it would be kind of like with Shannon at the um, Connecticut one where is she like, I don't think she had a break because she was doing mm. charmed and 90210. Yeah, and so she just was constantly. I think that would be same with them, but that would be oh, well, especially if they did like a full like a full house of everybody mm. like that. I mean, that would just be. I think that I'm the same way with John Stamos. If I could meet Uncle Jesse, I'd lose my mind. We did. We did. 
Oh my God. <laughs> wow. I feel like you got all the name drops today. <laughs> well, well, we, uh, we made the mistake of not also meeting Bob Saget that day. Yeah. Yeah. He, he used to come to Cleveland a ton to a very, there's a small com uh, comedy venue, 45 minutes North of me where you can literally buy front row seats at the table, right? I mean, it's maybe fits 300 people. You can buy yeah. front row seats and watch an A-list comedian for maybe 60 bucks for a couple. And he used to come there all the time. And I wish, oh. I wish I would have went like I, I same with um, Jason David Frank as the Green Ranger. He came here so many times and I was just like, oh, I'll go eventually. And I'm so depressed <laughs> that I never did. Absolutely. Well, Eric, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, because it gave me somebody to talk to three ninjas about. <laughs> maybe we can do maybe we can do more episodes where there's ep like I'm obsessed with Ghostbusters and David hates Bill Murray. And it drives me insane how much he hates Bill Murray. And so it's like I can never do an episode of Groundhog Day. I can't do mm. Ghostbusters. I can't do What About Bob. I can't do Strike. I can't do any of these things. So I feel like, yeah, if there's any episodes where like Ashley just is like, I have no nostalgic connection to this, we can just do crossovers where we at least have something. And maybe then like Ashley and David could get on an episode where you just like, I have no idea why these idiots like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> that would for edit sure. them together of just like nostalgic love for something, and then the very next minute is people just being like, "This is stupid. I hate it." <laughs> <laughs> uh, Absolutely. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us. This oh, no problem. I appreciate been... the I appreciate the invite, and yeah, um, yeah I think as much. I feel like there's a good amount of people that do nostalgia podcasts right now. I think there's a lot of. Um, millennials that want to stay connected to their childhood and mm -hmm. the more honestly the more the merrier it's just Absolutely. I feel like when you hear somebody tell a story like especially you about your connection with April it's like it, to hear passion in anybody's life during it I mean we all just went through a very difficult period to, uh, together and to form podcasts and form connections regardless of living hours away it's like mm -hmm. it's pretty sweet that we live in a time where we can you know we're not on a landline phone <laughs> you know in our bedrooms um like to be able to share our nostalgia now with the world through zoom and and things like that is pretty cool so yeah keep 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 up the good work thank you and you guys too and we will definitely be touching base to see about any upcoming ones in the future for sure sounds good but again, thank you so much. Be sure to check out Bygone Geek at that Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and mm -hmm. everywhere where you can find podcasts. Yep. And I feel like I uh, every episode that I end on the podcast is telling everybody, thanks everybody for listening. Until the next time you see us or hear us, be sure to live your life with just a little bit of whimsy. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>